Good morning. Thank you, Taylor, for that song, that blessed song. How's everybody this morning? I'm going to change things around a little bit. We're going to start with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we we just so thank you for your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for that blessed promise where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in your midst. And for that, we're, we're grateful. We're blessed and we're thankful. I just pray now if there anybody, if there's anybody here visiting with us this morning that does not yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that hasn't, hasn't come to know how much you love them, Lord Jesus, how much you want to give them, how much you want to bless them, I pray this is that day. And for the rest of us, Lord, I just pray that my words would be your words and that you might touch our hearts today simply for your honor and your glory. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start this morning talking about a a beloved saint and brother in Christ that those of you who have been around here for a while will maybe remember him. It's Roland Hill, a marvelous man of God, um, uh, spent decades in India as a missionary. And I heard him for the first time when I was a couple of years in the Lord. I was big on zeal and Bleeding arrogance. And Adel had the misfortune of getting hooked up with me, whether he wanted to or not. So we were sitting there waiting for the speaker. And I I wasn't familiar with who it was. We were at Sun Valley Bible Chapel at that time. And uh, then they had the song and the piano playing. And then this poor looking, weak, looking. And as he started to walk, he was just walking up to the pulpit so slow. And I said, this should be interesting in all my arrogance. And then he finally got to the pulpit and I said, Lord, is there a megaphone for this guy? So we can hear him. And with that, words boomed out of this man's mouth. So resounding. And he spent the next few minutes talking about creation, talking about the, the, the heavens, the stars, 
the speed of everything, where it was going, how it was all designed by God. And I just sat there and cringed and said, God, forgive me, a filthy, rotten sinner. For my arrogance. To judge somebody on just looking at them. Marvelous man of God. I had one afternoon, we had him over for, for lunch. And he shared with, uh, with us about his time in India. But also in the 40s, he, he came back for his first um, uh, time of just uh, um, furlough. Thank you. It's back to the United States, and it was in the mid-40s. He'd been there for over 10 years in India. And he told me, and this is in the 1940s now. This is not today. How shocked he was with the behavior of the Christians in the United States and how worldly they had become. And every single furlough after that, it was worse and worse what he observed coming from the mouth and the interest of the Christians. He couldn't believe how worldly the American Christians had become in such a short period of time. How little reverence they had anymore for the things of God and the respect of God. I think Roland would be quite shocked, don't you, if he was still alive? He's not. He's with the Lord. He's been with the Lord for quite some time. I'm sure he would really be shocked with the state of the Christian church in the United States today. How bad it's become. Our text this morning is from the book of Titus. Comes right after Second Timothy in the New Testament. Chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 11. The book of Titus, chapter 2, starting in verse 11. If we have any guests that today that have a real problem with your eyesight, you can do like me and just... Let your Bible rest and gaze upon the big letters on the screens. It's a real blessing. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, 
to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture. I titled my message this morning very simply, let's get back to basics. Let's get back to basics. So to start, we'll, we'll look at verses. This is our passage we're going to look at this morning. We'll start with verses 11 and 12. For by the grace of, for by the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. A quote. Too many Christians have so embraced the world and much that it has to offer that they have lost their way in their walk with Christ and have become dulled to God's convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 puts it this way. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. You know, the humble are always blessed and joyful, but the proud are an unhappy, miserable lot. They really are. We as Christians can be rebellious, still be saved, still be headed for heaven, but we can be rebellious or involved in some folly in the eyes of God. Or actually become bitter at God for the lack of answers to our prayers. Or simply unhappy with our circumstances. But we need to get things right with our Lord and Savior. When something's wrong in our life, we should immediately want to correct it, not let them build. We shouldn't get to the point where we're resentful for things. Because bitterness is a root that'll take hold and strangle us and quench the spirit of God in us. 
But remember this, when seeking forgiveness from the Lord, he is aware of that. And he is aware whether there's sincerity and genuineness in seeking his forgiveness versus miserable and sorry for our circumstances. And therefore, there's such a lack of true repentance and remorse. Looking now at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That verse gets me going. It really does. It is just so exciting to take a moment and meditate on that. That that one day, hopefully soon, but we don't know that, do we? We will see him. This life as we know it will be over. It's done. We're out of here. As long as we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we have a fast pass. We do have a fast pass that's so much better than the other fast passes. Okay? Not even close. And, oh my gosh, this is heaven. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. I really feel good. Oh, my legs work, my arms work, my lungs work. Oh, where is the Savior? I have to find the Savior. What a blessed hope. It is a blessed hope. We need to hang on to the blessed hope. Every day, remind ourselves of the blessed hope. It's good medicine. When things were at their worst for the Jews in Palestine, along comes Matthew 121. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. It's really a, an amazing verse of scripture. It is a great proclamation. Think about what those shepherds on that hillside. Wow. When the, when the heavens lit up and the angels told them of the proclamation. That's why we call it the gospel. The good news, because it is good news. It is nothing but good news. We, on the other hand, have a tendency to mess it up from time to time. But it's great news. It's good news. That's why he doesn't just save us and retrieve us up to heaven, because there's others that have to hear about the good news. 
One of my favorite songs and songwriters is Isaac Watts. When I survey the wondrous cross, this is my favorite verse from it, although I love dearly the whole song. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown? It is such a wonderful song about the price that was paid and the blessed forgiveness we've received from him or can receive if we don't know him. He paid the ultimate price for us. We heard about it this morning. His life. John 19.30 The Gospel of John Chapter 19, verse 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit because the job was done. But praise be to God, it doesn't end there. Amen? He was buried, and he rose again. And that's the God we have this morning. That's the blessing we have. Another quote. Why should men pay such a high price... For damnation when salvation is free. <laughs> Amazing. I'm always, I'm always, I always marvel when I see these guys, these tough guys, you know, and they said, bring it on. I'm not afraid to spend time in hell. They're insanely ignorant. Ignorant. They haven't a clue. They, as well as anybody who ends up there, the millisecond that their eyes open will realize they made the wrong choice. And you know what else? There's no tough guys in hell. There's just people in anguish because they rejected his free gift. Verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Who here doesn't feel good when you've done something for the Savior? It's just a millis, milla amount 
of thanksgiving back to what he did for us, isn't it? It feels good. And it's so easy. It's so easy to share, but the devil tries to get in and say, oh, you don't want to look like a fool. Oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, they're going to come after you. Oh, the, oh, 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 none of it. If you believe the Lord is leading you to share, and that's not always the case, let's state that, but is impressing upon you, if you don't, if I don't, we rob that person's soul from heaven. So once you start to share, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing how it becomes so easy once you've taken the first step and you start to explain to them the way of salvation? Because it's the gospel. It's not bad news. It's great news. It's good news. That's what it means. For by grace are you saved through faith and not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one can boast. It's free. Boy, I remember when I got saved. I, I worked in a rather worldly atmosphere of things and yachts and wealthy people and you know, preoccupied with stuff. And I couldn't get around, get around everybody quick enough, you know, waiting for that, you know, say, hey, how are you? Well, glad you asked. And then a little while later, they maybe they weren't so glad they asked. But pretty soon, the owner of the company, John Beery, started to say when he saw me, ah, good morning, Reverend Murray. But I took that as a blessing. I took that as a compliment. And little did I know that a salesman for another company overheard me talking to somebody a little bit. And then after I left and and understand, this guy asked me the questions. He said, do you have a second? I said, sure. I've noticed, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, what what makes you this way? And so spent about a half hour with him. He kept asking questions. I kept answering them. And then I had to leave and I saw Mark, this other salesman. Hey, how are you? Good. Bye. And you're off because you, when you're in sales, you cross your, your competitors from time to time. And so Mark asked this guy, what was that about? Oh God, he was punishing me with all kinds of religious stuff. I couldn't get away from him quick enough, which is so not true. But one night, several months later, I get a call at home. From this salesman, Mark. And he says, I've been watching you. I've been listening to what people have to say about you. And you and I need to sit down and have a cup of coffee. I said, when and where? And I did. And he goes, wow, well, that's a lot to think about. And I said, granted, it is. And we left. And he said, thank you. And sure, if I didn't see the delivery driver for their company a couple of weeks later. And he says, boss, I hear you throwing the barbs at old bar at, at old Mark with the gospel. And I go, yeah, I guess so. Three years later, I get a call from Mark. 
And he said, how do I begin to thank you? How do I begin to express my gratitude for taking the time to share with me about Jesus Christ? This last Sunday, I got up and went forward and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's okay if you share with them. It isn't forcing it down their throats. It's sharing when they want to hear. And don't feel bad if later on you hear things that they're given. They're saying not such nice things about you from doing God's work. But leave it. You sowed another waters. But the Lord has the harvest. I love this quote. I don't know who it is, man or woman. I have no idea, but I just love this quote about how he views his life with Christ or her life with Christ. But if we can give proof that we are following Jesus, if we can from the heart say, I trust him wholly. Trust him only. Trust him simply. Trust him now. And trust him forever. Folks, that's that's determination. That's somebody who's resolute in his convictions. And that's the way we should be also. They're watching us. They're looking at us. You may not even be aware of it. But be ready if someone stops you. Don't ever be in too much of a hurry not to share Christ with somebody. And if you get a chance ever to explain the gospel and what to do when you decided, the person's decided they believe, they want to accept him. I don't think any verse of scripture says it clearer than Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, or a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Salvation is a choice. No one can decide for us. If you're on the young side and you're, you've lived in a Christian home your whole life, and mom and dad are always being so obvious about sharing and pushing and or maybe have grandparents that are the real zealots. Don't be too hard on them. They just want you to have what they have. But no one can decide for us. Whether it's a sibling, a parent, a child, a co-worker, it's our choice. It's our choice. It's our decision. 
Remember, there are only two destinations, heaven or hell. Keep that in mind. Keep the prayers going. Don't give up on people. My mom prayed over 35 years for her, as did Sally, as did my kids, her kids, grandkids. But in the end, she's in glory. That's such a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. Verse 15. Trust these things. Speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. This is now to Titus. Paul is saying this. Let no one disregard you. Let no one ignore you. Let no one put you down. And I say to you and me, don't let anybody ever put us down for our faith, for the love we have for the Savior. Like it or not, we are walking sermons. What do people see when they see us? A quote came up at our Bible study on Wednesday night. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Big difference. Big difference. Why does God constantly warn us against the world? Because the world is very dangerous to Christians. It really is. Its attractions can be very powerful. Remember, we're either empowered by Christ as Christians. We're either empowered by Christ or we're crippled by the devil. There's no in-between. How many times have you ever sat down to pray, you've got nothing going on, and all of a sudden, zingers come from everywhere? Did you remember two days ago, I think maybe you left one of your bags of groceries in the store? Really? Or what if your grandson just fell down the stairs? And so forth and so on and this and that. That's not the Lord wanting to have close fellowship with you and test your faith. You're getting harassed by the evil one. Okay, he does that. He constantly does that because remember one thing. If you become a Christian, if you are a Christian, he hates you. He will always hate you. He will always want to do anything to disturb you. Count it a blessing when all this stuff starts to fly out at you as you're praying. You're doing the right thing. Just ignore it and keep going. Verse 16. 
And the final quote again, which was on Wednesday night. I'd rather see a sermon any day than hear one. They're watching us, folks. They're watching us every day. They're looking to see what's going on. And then, of course, the scoffers can't wait to see something wrong and throw it at you. We sang a song uh, this morning at Calvary. Again, one of my favorites. I like newer stuff. Okay, I like newer stuff, too. I like Southern Gospel. I'm blessed and thankful for Bill and Gloria Gaither. But boy, I have nothing against Isaac Watts or Charles Wesley or Miss Crosby or Frances Havergirl. Just great songs, powerful songs. It tells a story, you know, at Calvary. With our eyes shut and our heads bowed. Just going to read a little bit of that, that song. Years I've spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Just ask that you bless each and every one. Again, if there's anyone here that does not yet know you as their Lord and Savior, don't let them leave. Adel's here. Sylvia's here for the women. There's others here. Maybe a friend brought you today. Just be sure. Be very sure. Now, for everyone else, just bless us and strengthen us and encourage us along this way. And we just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen.